Welcome to Sci-Fi Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Bailey. And if you're listening to this podcast in March of 2020, you're going to understand that there are some serious things going on in the world. That sounds kind of like science fiction in itself, apocalyptic kind of extinction events going on. Well, at least in the coronavirus war. We're fighting a war against a virus, actually, a coronavirus kind of thing. And hopefully in, in the next couple of podcasts, this will be over. But in the meantime, hey, let's get on with the science fiction, right? We're going to be talking about extinction here just a little bit later. Were there any extinctions in the past that were microorganism oriented? Well, you'll be surprised to, to know that, yes, there were. And it's been a recent discovery by MIT about that from uh, millions of years ago. But before we get into that, let's get into the real science fiction stuff. You know, I'm happy to announce uh, some new comic book series that have come out. And, you know, to, to be honest, I mean, when Disney bought out Marvel, I thought, oh my gosh, there goes the there goes the company. Now, is this going to turn into Mickey Mouse superheroes or what? But, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised that the more adult-oriented science fiction comic books are still there and they're actually you may, being proliferated in a greater manner especially in the the star wars series you know which has come out on the disney channel but also in the comic books and and i'm a comic book lover just i'm sure that we all are uh you know a lot of people say oh let's just stick to the literature of real science fiction but you know what comic books are part of it uh, and I and I really love them. I love the 2020 series. So if you're gonna, yeah, if you're a science fiction comic book aficionado like I am, go out and collect the 2020 series. Like for instance, Iron Man 2020. Yes, Iron Man 2020 is the new series, uh, not to be confused with any of the other series. And I'm going to tell you the artwork is phenomenal. Now you're going to be kind of blown away at the new pricing. They're going to 4.99. A magazine, but they've got more pages, and I'm telling you, the artwork, the quality of the paper on the pages are, are is tremendous. Now I'm uh, a real um, stickler on art. If the art isn't good to me, it diminishes the writing. Uh, as a writer, I love the stories, but if I'm looking at poorly drawn, poorly colored art, I, I'm just simply not going to buy the book. So, but that's not the case here. Now it's phenomenal art, phenomenal stories in Iron Man. 2020. Now, in Iron Man 2020, if you may remember uh, that Tony Stark has been killed, right? Well, guess what? He's still around. Of course, you can't lose Tony Stark, but he's in a different form, kind of an artificial intelligence form. His brother has taken over the Stark Industries building along with a um, colleague and actually boss called Sunset Bane. Sunset Bane is this real total bitch lady who... um, has taken over the Stark Industries and uh, has placed Arno Stark, the older brother of Tony Stark, in charge. Well, Arno is kind of an artificial intelligence being in himself, and he has taken over and is in combat with his younger brother, Tony Stark, which is uh, a really, truly adventure. He's uh, Tony Stark is now in a form he calls Mark One. Mark One is in charge of the robot rebellion. Pick it up. Iron Man 2020, I'm not going to get more into the story. It'll kind of blow it away for you. The second, my favorite in the second group of 2020s is the Star Wars series. My particular favorite is Darth Vader. Oh, yeah, the artwork is phenomenal. Now, you would never see Darth Vader as a like a real person, but in this comic book, they're, uh, they have rewritten the stories. They've added to the stories. This is not 
This is not the old Star Wars stories. No, it's not. It's it's more fun. It's uh, developed into something that's really interesting. What can go more, you know, other than the Star Wars series, other than taking each one of the, one of the characters and expanding on them? And in this particular series, Darth Vader, it's tremendous. I truly love the story. 2020 Star Wars Darth Vader, they're on number two already, and they're talking about his old wife slash girlfriend, Padme, Padme, what happened to her? She's dead, right? Well, again, and the old uh, concepts of bringing people back alive, maybe she's not. Uh, so pick it up. I love it. Darth Vader, Star Wars, Darth Vader, Vader 2020. All right, that's what's going on. And, now, you know, I have and encourage you to go back in time a little bit. You know, the, the old science fiction writers, uh, we, we love them, and then we, we read them and forget them and, and put them on the shelves, and some people go, oh, who's Isaac Asimov or who's whatever? Well, most recently, I picked up the uh, an old copy of Larry Niven's Ringworld, copywritten in 1970, believe it or not. Ringworlds were based on real science called the Dyson Sphere, and that's a very interesting concept. Yet this concept uh, has people that would normally be living on the inside of a sphere instead of on the outside of a sphere. Uh, it's called the Dyson Sphere. It's called, you know, in science, called the Dyson Sphere. They've taken just a slice of a Dyson Sphere and made it a ring so people are living on the inside of the ring with the sun in the middle of the ring. It's called Ringworld by Larry Niven. It's phenomenal science and then, of course, phenomenal science fiction. And interestingly enough, uh, one of the big concepts is that lead character in that is a guy named Louis Wu. He's an Asian guy. And guess how old he is? He's 200 years old. Yes, science fiction from now on is really concentrating on something called the death barrier, that we've overcome the death barrier in future science fiction, almost all science fiction now deals with people living forever, uh, everlasting life, the breaking the death barrier. My fiction as well. I'm writing a book right now, which I hope to uh, be able to publish a man the manuscript uh, in the next uh, couple of months here, or I'm hoping less, uh, maybe four weeks, that uh, I deal also, it's predominantly uh, everlasting life, uh, breaking the life barrier, barrier and expanding. I call it expansion because in my book, the it starts off with the end of the earth, and so it's uh, talking about the inner solar system and, and how we're doing things on Mars and things like that. And minor uh, kind of war-oriented, you're going to see desert warfare uh, in the Martian desert, of course, with mech tech warriors. I mean, how exciting can that be? I love it. I love it. It's just the kind of stuff that I love. So that's science fiction for right now. So go back in time. Pick up the Larry Niven's Ring World and also look anything from uh, Isaac Asimov. And then as we uh, progress into the present day of science fiction, bring up your books, your favorite books that are coming out right now. They're really great. We're going to get into more of the present day science fiction and what's going on with how people write and get that out there in the world. It's a really a revolutionary system. Uh, hopefully get to talk to Chris Fox, at least bring his concepts up. Chris is a guy that's writing as an indie writer and he's, uh, uh, publishing his books on Amazon. So Amazon.com, uh, he seems to have a considerable amount of success in that. Hopefully talk to Chris Fox here soon on the podcast. Well, what's going on right now is extinction. Uh, extinction event possibility in a virus called the coronavirus. Well, of course, corona 
means crown. And they got that name because, you know, the virus, if you look at it, it looks like a, a crown in a sphere. It's a spherical uh, entity with crown-like prongs all over it that sticks to things. So they call it the coronavirus, and it's sticking everywhere. Uh, it looks like a, a, a total pandemic, meaning a worldwide war. Uh, so basically, we're on World War Three, but with a virus instead of each other. Uh, the question's here. Can we develop the weapons to kill the enemy? Well, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, so, But first, let's get on with extinction. The question is, has there ever been an extinction based on microorganisms in the past? And the answer is yes. Yes, just recently. Yes, as a matter of fact, Dr. Rothman of MIT has discovered some really interesting information about that. Yes, according to Dr. Rothman of MIT, the Permian extinction 460 million years ago was partially done by microorganisms. Volcanoes started the concept, and then the microorganisms proliferated it with methane gas that they were breathing out of the atmosphere in such quantities that everything on the Earth, or about 75% of the Earth, died. So microorganisms have been in the past partially responsible for a total extinction of about 75%. And of course, the Spanish conquistadors uh, brought over smallpox, which wiped out the predominant indigenous species of Indians in South America. So Permian period, 252 million years ago. There are some new discoveries uh, based on the old concept of volcanoes wiping out all the big you know the animals on the ground and most of the stuff in the in the oceans uh, and actually i'm going to point out this that there was never an extinction that completely wiped out everything on the earth um the typical extinction that they had and all five extinctions on the earth were 75 percent 85 percent the turtles 80 percent of the species of the turtles still exist today they weren't wiped out so uh, these extinctions were not entirely complete. Crocodiles, for instance, were uh, from the millions of years ago. Uh, and you can tell by looking at them. I mean, they look pretty gross, right? So, I mean, there there has never been a total massive extinction of everything, everything totally on the Earth. But uh, on the Permian uh, extinction, which happened 252 million years ago, there was a team at MIT... Uh, led by Dan Rothman. He's a geochemist. I, I had never heard of a geochemist, either. geologist and chemist, but a geochemist, whatever, geochemist from MIT, which we all know and love, uh, saw a discrepancy in the volcanic theory of volcanoes erupting and disrupting the chemical content of the atmosphere and killing off all the known animals. He says... As they looked through the sediments, they found out one thing that the sediments uh, uh, are showing that the, you know, the volcanic activity should have died down after so many, what, a couple of thousand years or whatever, at least they should have died down, died down. He said they didn't die down. And that points to something else, something else, something that was breathing in the atmosphere. That turned to microorganisms. They, they came up with a, they did find them. They found some more microorganisms that had to do with methane gas. And I, I can't even can't even say that I, I'm descri- uh, or pronouncing this correctly, but the, the organism that they're calling methane osarcina, or sarcina, I don't know, sarcina, but it has to do with the word methane. What it amounts to is these microorganisms proliferated methane in the atmosphere. Yep, 
they were breathing in like oxygen and pumping out methane so that the atmosphere it became methane oriented what does that remind you of it reminds you of like jupiter right they say jupiter is a methane atmosphere well the earth had become predominantly methane oriented because of these microorganisms back in the permian age those bastards you know I mean, here we go again, right? I mean, a little bit of bug spray might have, might have, you know, whatever. We don't know. Uh, antibiotics spread around. You know, whatever can kill a virus, which is pretty much nothing besides major heat. And uh, they had a lot of heat back then. So what happened is that these microorganisms created a methane-type atmosphere and killed off pretty much everything, about 75% of everything roaming around on top of and and then um, in the water so yes people we have an extinction event proliferated by microorganisms now before we go any farther i want to play a voice clip from my favorite writer isaac asimov he's talking about extinction by population uh he was predominantly in the 60s and the early 70s uh he was a pure scientist he taught in a university and his passion was of course writing i don't believe that there's anyone who has written more than dr isaac asimov especially in science fiction he is uh, tremendous i i as a writer i can't believe he actually wrote that much per day it was stated that he could write 90 pages a day i i find that truly amazing uh there must have been little bitty pages i don't know but nevertheless dr isaac asimov did an interview with bill moyer many many years ago 20 years ago 25 years ago about extinctions and one of them he talked about was population growth he said the population explosion itself will cause an extinction on the earth let's listen now as we hear the interview with bill moyer and dr isaac asimov the globe is over four billion you've said that if it's over five over five billion yes you've said if it continues at its two percent growth rate a year it'll be what in another well actually it's down to 1.6 percent but with a higher population it's the same amount in actual numbers 80 million a year so that uh oh by by the year 2000 it's going to be it's going to be perhaps six six 6.5 billion that's just 12 years from now yes Yes, it's going up very fast. How many people do you think the Earth is able to sustain? I don't think it's able to sustain the five billion in the long run. So that, uh, I mean, right now, most of the world, most of the world's living under appalling conditions. And we can't possibly improve the conditions of everyone. We can't raise the entire world to the average standard of living in the United States because I don't think we have the the resources and the ability to, to, to distribute well enough for that. We have condemned, right now as it is, most of the world to a miserable starvation level of existence. And it'll just get worse as the population continues to go up. So he predicted, and rightly so, that the earth would become so populated that people would be bumping into each other and arguing and fighting for natural resources, which as you can see, that's exactly what's happening. And as well, when we get a virus like the coronavirus, uh, the dangers are tremendously even worsened because of the proximity of people. Geometric progression of getting a disease like that is overwhelming. It could, in fact, c- cause a great deal of the population to be 
you know, to be killed because of that virus. Now, let me bring up something uh, that you might be interested in called a 15-minute mathematician. Now, it's kind of silly. We're going to be talking about diseases from a mathematician book. The title here that I'm looking at in, what, Chapter 17 is, Are We All Going to Die? What this is is the formula, the algorithm that the scientists use for determining how many people are going to catch a disease. It's fairly simple. And uh, I know it's oversimplified for their purposes, and they try to make it even more difficult than it really is. But the bottom line is this. They don't know. They don't know. It depends on the transmittability of the disease. In this particular case, the coronavirus is apparently very transmittable. So the formula for this, and, and you can just listen to it and understand without seeing it on a chalkboard because I don't have availability of a chalkboard here on the podcast, of course, but it only has three factors, and it's called the R factor. R factor, R sub zero, is the amount that uh, that they're calculating to determine the spreadability of a disease. So R equals T, which means the transmittability. How easily is that disease transmitted? Well, obviously, it's very transmittable, as we found out, that the, the virus particles stick all over the walls, the toilets, you know, the everything that you you do, the car, the, the steering wheel, anything that uh, can be touched or breathed. And as well, the virus is airborne. So if you're in a subway, like, like when I was in Shanghai, I lived for, in Shanghai, China for seven years, it's impossible in the seven years that I was there, if somebody had the disease and they're on a subway car, there are at least 100 people on each subway car at a time, you're going to die. You know, you're going to get the disease at least. So the first factor is transmittability. The second is the average rate of contact that you have with people. And D is the duration of the infection. In other words, the infection will have a tendency to die out uh, as it progresses, usually, usually. Now, now, this is a big factor right there. The So R equals T times C times D. T is the transmittability. C is the average rate of contact. And D is the duration of the infection. And that equals R sub-zero. So the R factor of any particular disease, they that's the very basis of how they determine how well it will progress. So bottom line is, the more people that you have in contact with, the more people are going to get the disease. And that makes it geometrically progressive as we go forward into this war. I call it the war. It's a war uh, where the enemy is unseen. And therefore, what weapons do you use? I mean, can you use a nuke? Oh, yeah, you can nuke them. I mean, you can say, OK, we're going to nuke Wuhan. Issue today, as I'm doing the podcast, is Italy has the most cases right now and they are biting the dust like big time italy needs the weapon so what what's the issue here we need to do like in a movie you know like a a real science fiction movie like we see and love uh we have to develop the weapon i mean we don't have a weapon that can just go out and kill the virus as far as we know now this is what concerns me there they at the same time encourages me that everyone's working on the weapon this Chinese are probably the predominant. They've come up with some ideas. They came up with it weeks ago, and it's uh, being tested right now in China, uh, Shanghai, laboratories for one, uh, Beijing, all over the place. But there are some uh, really encouraging 
vaccines and not only vaccines, but the there's two things that we need. We need a vaccine to prevent it. And we also need the weapon to destroy it. So they're working on both right now. Also in America, they're working on it and have come up with some ideas, especially in this one lab, which they say is actually in existence. They have the weapon to kill the virus. Thank God. Now, how can we get it out there? Now, in a movie, you know, they're able to get it out within minutes. Uh, They're on a spaceship. They all get a disease. What are we going to do about it? They solve it, and it's there. But in reality, we're not there yet. So we're hoping, of course, that these people need to watch more science fiction, right? I mean, if they watch more science fiction, they're going to understand the concept of the game and the war. By God, sci-fi people have more intelligence and more forward-thinking concepts than anybody else in the world. And that's that's really what it takes. I mean, scientists come out of science fiction nuts like, like us. I mean, uh, that's where we get the scientists that are doing the things that they're doing right now out of the science fiction world. You know, uh, so America has got one. China has got one. Germany has got one. We're talking about the weapons to actually kill the virus. We're going to see how it progresses. Uh, I'm talking to you right now. Uh, this was begun on the 17th of March, and now I'm continuing it up here on the eight on the on the 18th of March. Uh, so we're going to kind of progress next week. I'm going to do another one, if not before, and we're going to see where the war on Corona. We're going to call it the Corona Wars are progressing. We know we'll win. We know we'll win. We have to win uh, because we are not going to become extinct. So. Um, I'm looking forward to finish finishing this up right now and then going back to writing my books. Uh, I'm writing a book now called Expansion. And I'm not talking about fat girls walking across the street. No, Expansion is uh, my books start with a universe where the Earth is now gone. We've destroyed ourselves, but we've been out into space for over a thousand years before the destruction. And so we have a good base in which to continue humanity and i i don't call it all humanity it's the derivatives of humanity as well we've broken the death barrier meaning people live basically forever and this is a theme that's being proliferated out there in the science fiction world all over the place whether you're talking about star wars where you're talking about all the way back, i want to bring this up as a matter of fact ring world if you haven't read ring world in a while go back and read it ring world is by larry niven it's a classic classic science fiction ring world Larry Niven's character, main character in this book, is named Louis Wu. Oh, yeah, Asian character. Guess how old he is in the book. When when the book starts, he's 200. He's experiencing his 200th birthday, and he's zipping around having his own little party, as as they like to do, I guess, in the future like that. We're looking forward to that. Louis Wu was 200 years old and and looked like he was 22, 23 years old. That's where we need to be, breaking the life, death, barrier breaking the death barrier that's where we will be i am confident of that so in my books um and the first one is called expansion and it's got some really exciting war scenes in it all the way through it that's my predominant theme uh war in the desert with mech tech type armor oh yeah mech techs (laughs) we love mech techs don't we mech tech in the martian desert i mean what else could there be right so we got the mech techs there we got the spaceships out near jupiter we got some serious wartime action in my books um, on the inner solar system, and the first book is Expansion. I've got uh, two more books coming out after that that's going to be related in the same universe, probably never stop that universe. I love that universe. It's, it's tremendous. So if uh, you're into writing science fiction, stay tuned uh, and contribute to it. Uh, also, 
Um, and I'm going to wrap this up right now. I have the blog, which I just started a lot. Most of my stuff is just started on the on the internet. Uh, the blog called the um, Sci-Fi Connection blog blogcast or the blog uh, Ted R Bailey. If you want to go, make sure you get there. Ted R Bailey's Sci-Fi po- uh, blog, Sci-Fi blog. So go in there and see if you can do it. It uh, also you can go to the to the website sci-ficonnection.com sci-ficonnection.com and you can plug yourself into each one of those things the podcast the blog etc leave some feedback uh join up and what i'm going to do on the podcast uh in the next couple of times i'm going to have people with me on the podcast uh hope to have some of the writers that i really truly love and their friends are mine uh like david drake Guys like this, we're going to have, and you we want to have you on here predominantly. We're going to talk about what's going on, what can we do, what's in the future. And so, uh, with that, uh, we're going to leave it for now and come back with another podcast in a few days, see how the Corona War is going. So, get back, sign up, and let's participate with each other on what's happening and make the world better. By God, let's, let's conquer the enemy in the Corona Wars. So until next time, I'm Ted Bailey for Sci-Fi Connection podcast in the sci-fi connection.com saying continue to look to the future. Bye.